the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is kind of a special show. It's a Thanksgiving show. I'm pre-recording it, uh, so I'm going to be guessing a little bit about some of the current events that are happening. So I am just going to, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit more broad today. I'm going to keep it a little more broad and let's just talk about some things to be grateful for and thankful for as we head down. Now, let me, if I can't resist a little bit of, of as we go into this Thanksgiving weekend, commenting on the election and the contested election and reminding you all that on this date over this weekend thanksgiving weekend in 2000 20 years ago both al gore and george w bush neither one was president at the time right president the president was clinton both of those guys wanted to be president and they both we're making noises it's like, oh, we're going to appoint so-and-so. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But nobody knew who was going to win yet. My point in telling you that is nobody knows who's going to win yet. You know, I mean, we have across the country now, Nevada has allowed um, things to pause. <clears throat> Pardon me. And the president, <clears throat> excuse me, the president's campaign can present uh, information about fraudulent votes might very well win Nevada. Uh, there's some similar noises in Arizona. Uh, there's hearings in Pennsylvania a couple days ago that were pretty striking. There's more information coming. I guess my point here is that we're into the stage now where there is a lot of information and a lot of evidence put out there. And I just want to point out what I did on a Periscope. And by the way, follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin and go to my Periscope. I do one or two a day. Uh, one in the morning at... Um, at um, uh, uh, just before seven o'clock, uh, Pacific time, nine 45 East coast time. So six 45 on the, in the Pacific time. And you could, it's about a 10 minute, what you need to know It's called wink in the morning. And then at uh, two o'clock East coast time, 11 AM, uh, I do a longer wink. And I, what I was saying in those today was the newest, the next tactic you're going to feel from the media is you're going to feel the media say so many Americans were convinced that the presidency was going to Biden. If it changes, there will be wholesale violence and dissent and uh, and uh, civil unrest. And they will try to scare you into believing that you have to act because you should be afraid of that. And here's the thing. They make a good argument. If you don't want the cities to burn, shouldn't you just let Joe Biden be president? If you don't want the rioting to continue, shouldn't you just say Joe Biden should be president? And here's the question. If the rule of law and elections and the Constitution mean nothing based on the threat of violence from the left, that, that game's over, right? America's over. So the simple fact is we are going to go through this process. And when we get to the point where we have some more clarity 
And my prediction is this. We're going to get to the point where there's more murkiness first, where it's not clear who cheated and when, uh, but it is clear that they cheated. It will become clear that the cheating was enough to turn the election, but it won't be clear who did it. You know, there won't be one smoking gun of Joe Sixpack having flipped the switch. There'll be all kinds of things in that direction. At that point in the middle of the murkiness, you have to find your way to the anchors that hold us together. And you know what the anchors are? The anchors that hold us together are not on CNN. The anchors that hold us together are not MSNBC. It's not NBC News. Those are the wrong anchors. The anchors that hold us together are the Constitution, the rule of law, and our Judeo-Christian principles. But really, it's the Constitution. It's not even the it's not really even the founding documents. It's the Constitution and the rule of law. It's not the Declaration has, you know, has a key. It's an anchoring piece. But as to what actually holds us together, it's the Constitution. The anchor. Let me say it again. The anchor that holds us together is not found on CNN or MSNBC. It's the Constitution. And when we get into the murkiness of the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to find our way to the anchor and to the center if we want this republic to hold. That's what's at stake. That's actually what's happening. And all the rest of this is a question, you know, the, the a question for another day. I mean, how corrupt is the news? How corrupt is the polling? How corrupt is big tech? How corrupt is the Washington bureaucracy? How corrupt are the people that are in the, uh, the bureaucracy, this career civil servants in terms of what they want and how they want it. How corrupt is the American system right now? And what do we do when we come across corruption? What do we do when we come across uh, brokenness in the American system? We have an anchor. Again, the anchor is not Don Lemon. The anchor is not Anderson Cooper. The anchor is not Rachel Maddow. The anchor that holds America America together is the Constitution. And what you're seeing in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in other places now, is the state legislators who know their Constitution realizing it's time to assert our power. If you ever dreamed of a moment where the state legislators would assert their power against the federal government, you're coming towards that moment. Because it's a state senator from Pennsylvania and a speaker and a state house member from Pennsylvania, a state senator from Michigan, state senator from Arizona, state senator from Georgia that suddenly has more power than the most powerful U.S. senator in the swamp. So, you know, as you look around and you say, what are we grateful for in this country? We're grateful that for however we stumbled to it. And it was a stumbling, divine stumbling, but a stumbling to it. If you study the Constitutional Convention, the the Committee for Unfinished Parts, the Committee for Unfinished Parts that put together the Electoral College and, and put together some of the other aspects of our Constitution in the last three weeks of the Constitutional Convention, kind of just groped their way to it. It was divinely inspired. It is divinely inspired as an anchor in a world where broken people corrupt people end up causing destruction and so if we relied on the sovereignty of the king or the sovereignty of our president 
that, that we got our sovereignty because it was granted to us by the king or granted to us by the president or granted to us by the federal government. Not true. We should be thankful today and every day in America that the founding of this country was based on God giving each of us the sovereignty, which we came together to share. And dramatically, we share it through the states. It's the states that became part of the union. It's the states that signed up to the Constitution. We didn't have a plebiscite on the Constitution where every citizen votes. We did not do that. We said, I give my sovereignty that came from God to my state to moderate. It's one of the reasons I used to tell people I was I was attorney general nominee for Missouri. I was the attorney general nominee Republican in 2012. And I used to say it's a it would be a great job, attorney general, because the attorney general and the state government is supposed to stand in the breach between we, the people and the federal government, because we don't give our power to the federal government directly. We give it to it. We mediate it through our states. We should at least. Some of it is up for grabs in terms of how it's been handled and how it looks. But the simple fact is we have this extraordinary experiment. It's not an experiment anymore. We have extraordinary working system, operating system for America that has allowed flourishing and freedom and invention and property rights. All these things that have been extraordinary in human history like nobody ever could have imagined. And when we go back to the troubled times, we don't say the king is perfect. We don't say the anchor is CNN. No, we say the rule of law and the Constitution protects us from the corruption of men and women and failed people. It's a stopgap. Excuse me. It's a stopgap. It's a safety valve. It's the protection that's gotten us this far. That's what's going on. All right, listen, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving Day weekend. There'll be lots of football, lots of election stuff, lots going on, I'm sure. But mostly, I hope you get a chance, get to your place of worship, if it's a church or a synagogue, and uh, thank the Lord for the blessings that you have. And for those, a special way, I was with a friend of mine today. Uh, He's a great minister, and he said, I'm particularly touched, he said, these days on people that are isolated and alone, away from family. Pray for them, he told me. So we do that, too. All right, everybody, we've got some great guests today, and uh, we're going to talk with John Schlafly about thankfulness a little bit. We'll also talk with Hans von Spakovsky from Heritage Foundation about where we are in the election, and we'll have more. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. There's nobody better. There is really nobody better, uh, probably nobody busier than, than Hans von Spakovsky right now because his background as an attorney, as an FEC member, and now for, a, uh, I don't know, a decade or so, he's been sort of writing and commentating over at Heritage Foundation. He's been on our show many times. Uh, and he, right now, this is like, <laughs> it's like Christmas for you, Hans, with all this stuff where you, you know what's going on. But it's also a little bit of a mystery because there's twists and turns as you know, that you can't ever see uh, coming. And so, first of all, welcome, Hans. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, and thank you for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, same to you and all your listeners. 
Well, thanks. I should say Hans is over at the Heritage Foundation. I should plug. He is a uh, uh, senior legal fellow, especially. I like to talk about the Ed Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. The great Ed Meese. What a ex- historic uh, man in our history. Now, Hans, uh, back to that broad question. You, you've, you've been involved in elections, and it is just simply true. You can't predict in any given election. I'll give you the best example I ever had in 2000. Um, you know, Mel Carnahan dies weeks before the election for U.S. Senate versus Jay, John Ashcroft. And the election goes forward. Right. I mean, he's like and that was 2000 right. with the uh, with the famous W uh, versus Gore, W versus Gore. Another example. I mean, this year, the uncertainty of millions of mail in ballots was already uh, chaotic. And yet here we are. We've got states. Nevada's looking at a court case. Now they're going to have some more hearings. Pennsylvania is having hearings. I mean, is it more chaotic now or is it that we can see it because of sort of social media and the and the ease with which people can kind of spread the news? How do you feel about that? Well, some of it's because of social media, but a lot of it is because this this was a very unique election in that um, we had more people voting through absentee ballots than we've ever had uh, in in any election ever in American history. And um, all of the rules in many states were being changed in a bad way for the handling mm-hmm. of those ballots uh, up, up through almost through Election Day. And we've never had a situation before where rules were the rules governing the election process were basically being changed in the middle of the election uh i mean that's like that's like the refs changing the rules in the middle of the super bowl yeah and 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 so and that's right and i and i think it's hard for people to realize and you know because again we're talking with hans von spakovsky who's um among his other hats he's worn is at the fec and and uh, the federal election commission which meant you know obviously the elections the federal elections are big but i ran the election board in st louis in 05 and 06 you don't know i only did a federal election not a presidential the intensity of of these things as they ratchet up you know that that there there's all kinds of money being spent all kinds of intensity there's nothing like it and now we are we're and, and another part of this, of course, we're in covid where, you know, no matter what you say or who what side you're on, on where the school should be open or closed or anything. Lots of people and a lot of voters or seniors were nervous. Right. So they were trying to vote early and they were trying to vote different ways. It, it was sort of chaotic. So, Hans. How do you settle these things? Some things, even if you figure out that there's a bunch of fraud, even if the bunch of fraud might be enough to change the election, it's hard to go back in time, right? It's hard to wind back the clock. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, where are we headed to sort of manage how people feel about an election? That's really difficult. And I mean, to, to give you a very prime example of that, as you know, they had a recount in Georgia. Now they've been talking about doing another recount. But, you know, um, the campaign down there wants not just a recount of the ballots that were cast, but they also want uh, to check the signatures on the absentee ballots that came in because they're claiming that um, the signature comparisons weren't done. And that ballots mm-hmm. may have been counted where the signature didn't match. Well, you and I both know that uh, the, the, the informational form of the voters sent in with an absentee ballot got their signature. That's separated from the absentee ballot. And once the absentee ballot is counted, you can't connect the two up. So it's like e- even if they went through that and they discovered that um, – there were 2,000 uh, absentee ballots where the, the voter information signatures don't match. 
Well, they can't pull those ballots out of the ballot box because they've already been counted, separated from that. So what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's right. And how, and what, what's the remedy now? I I I I'm loathe to um, to get the left. You know, they'll be like uh, writing me up on whatever media matters or whatever the thing is called. Now, when I say this, they'll say, "Here we are, go." But but it is true. And we're talking with Hans von, Sk- von Spakovsky. When you run into a crisis of quality or fraud or something, you, there are paths, right? I mean, the path is to go to the courts, and the courts will look at it and say, well, I can't give you a remedy. You know, for example, one thing that's true in some of these things, once, as again, you would know better, even better than I, once something is certified, you sort of are putting blocks in being able to go back in time. That, that's why you do that. People may say, oh, isn't that fair? Well, there's a point where the judge makes a judgment in a case and says that's the end of it. And if 20 years later, you go back and say, but it really wasn't true. You, you can't. You have to have a system that has blocks and stops. That's just humanity. And we have to have it. But in this case, in, you know, you go to court, you go up the chain or down the chain, sideways the chain in the court. And then do you end up in a conversation in Pennsylvania the other day on Wednesday, the, 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 the hearings, a lot of allegations of fraud. Do you get to a point where we're in the Constitution where people are saying, hey, the system looks pretty broken. And, and do we go where do we go from there? I mean, that's sort of the flow right hans it it is and look the remedy is if if there's enough evidence to show that the results of the election were compromised even if you can't specifically uh count every single ballot that may have been cast illegally i mean that's a point at which a judge should say look we have to hold a new election at the very least what needs to come out of this regardless of who wins the presidential race is that we recognize all these problems caused uh, in the various states by, frankly, misconduct by election officials, changes in the rules, et cetera. And state legislatures say, we're going to fix these problems so that this doesn't happen again in the next election, which is only two years away. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that exactly that's the other part of it is there is a political there is a political answer. It by the way, this isn't a satisfactory one, but if you're Hillary, it, it, let's just play this out. If you were Hillary after you lost, she spent a lot of time saying Trump wasn't legitimate. And frankly, a lot of her people spent a lot of time saying the Russians did it, and that did have an effect on his ability to succeed, I think. And you could envision, and I'm not arguing for it, but I'm saying you could envision in 3 months, 4 months, a President Biden being sort of uh, saddled with being a president that people don't believe won fairly. And again, that would be the political weight that the system would uh, would exert because you would know in 18 months you'd have the the, uh, the House elections. All right, Hans, back to this question. You again, you worked in this field elections. As bad as this was, what's the path forward? For years, guys like you have been saying you need a secure, a more secure system. You need things like a photo ID and things. Is there a chance this uh, will really shock the system? After 2000, they did a Help America Vote Act, which was throw money at the problem and some changes, but not really, right? They really ended up sort of staying in the same path. Is this, do you think, do you envision this will change dramatically how we do elections? Uh, I think it could shock at least legislators in uh, red states into finally realizing that they need to pay attention to this and change the rules they have to make sure these kind of problems uh, don't occur. I'm not sure that's going to happen in blue states where they like loose rules. Um, 
that make it, frankly, easier to cheat, manipulate election results. But I'm hoping that this will mean that in places like Georgia, for example, they realize that while they passed a great voter ID law there years ago for in-person voting, why did they not extend it to absentee balloting? Right. You need a voter ID law right. for both absentee balloting and in-person, particularly given uh, how the, uh, this huge increase in absentee balloting. Yeah, no, it's a, it is a crazy. All right, I want to grab one quick question, Hans, that came out in the last day. Um, the president of the United States pardoned Mike Flynn and gave him a full pardon, and he signed. He announced that uh, you know on Wednesday afternoon. It, just a narrow question: that is the president's power to pardon sort of plenary? In other words, I've seen commentators say, "Well, maybe you can roll this." It kind of is, right? Whether you like again, it's a political it tool. If you don't if you don't like it, you can not vote for Donald Trump or never vote for him again. But it, it you know you. You don't get to go back and unring that bell, right? That is exactly right. It is. It, it's almost absolute. There's no limitation on the president's uh, pardon power in uh, in the Constitution. So there's no way. For example, a new president come, can't come in and say, "Oh, I'm reversing that pardon to the prior president." They right. can't do that. Right, right. All right. I thought I'd grab that because we were going Hans von Spakovsky among his many uh, expertises on the Constitution and, uh, of course, uh, elections. Thanks, Hans. Uh, happy Thanksgiving again. I'm sure we'll talk during these weeks. So much is uh, happening. I appreciate you very much. Sure thing. Bye-bye. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. I was just talking off the air with John Schlafly, our next guest, the great John Schlafly. He writes a weekly column called the Schlafly Report, funny enough, with his brother Andy. Now they, But they didn't actually come up with the name. It's their mother, Phyllis Schlafly, who for decades wrote a weekly column. And uh, it posts over at townhall.com and at phyllisschlafly.com. But John and I were talking off the air. And we, as we record this, I mentioned we're recording these uh, Thanksgiving weekend ones. It, today is John Schlafly's birthday. So, John, happy birthday to you. I won't say how old you are. It's pretty old. and uh, But I wish you a very happy birthday. How, how's your day going? Well, thank you very much, uh, Ed. I'm, you know, I appreciate that. Um, so, having a good birthday. We'll always, rem- we'll always remember that uh, General Mike Flynn was pardoned on your birthday. He'll always associate it with your birthday, and you'll always just remember that. So that should be in the history of great Americans. And, uh, and you know, I don't know if you know this. I, I, th- I think I might have told you the other day uh, when you were here in, in D.C. He's young. I mean, he's only like 62 or so. I mean, it feels like he's been on the national scene for a while. He's young. He's going to be around for a while. And um, and I think he's going to have something to say in politics. All right, John, um, what about the election now? There's been some hearings uh, by the state legislature in Pennsylvania. There's been some positive cases in Nevada. Uh, meanwhile, the, the Biden administration is rushing to not only pick out the curtains, but uh, make the business cards for their whole staff. Um, 20 years ago right now, I keep telling everyone, Al Gore was trying to be called president-elect, and George W. Bush was trying to be called president-elect, and nobody knew who was going to be president-elect. So, you know, this uncertainty is not new. But what's your sense on where we are uh, as we're at Thanksgiving weekend 2020 after this election? Well, we all have one eye on the calendar, uh, uh, Ed, and as you, you know, these uh, the calendar process, the timetable for uh, determining the president has is kind of set in stone. It's been set in stone for over a century. Um, so there's a, a variety of 
things that have to happen by a bunch of different actors around the country before uh, Inauguration Day. And so all of this is done so that we don't have uh, any violence associated with the either the continuation of the administration or the change, if that's what happens. So, um, you know, as of Thanksgiving, uh, there's many things that are not done yet and not determined in many states, and we don't really know. There's, there's many different actors who will participate in these states. Um, the question of whether uh, who really won the uh, five states that are in dispute, I mean, that's not determined yet. And even at this date, things could change depending on lawsuits and evidence. Uh, John, we're talking with John Schlafly, and uh, again, his column is a Schlafly report over at uh, townhall.com. John, you mentioned something at the beginning of that answer, I want, and this isn't the feel-good part of the uh, of the interview. We'll get back to Thanksgiving all in a minute. Um, but the media has now set up this narrative, and I, and I saw this recently used, um, I think it was, uh, oh, it was that, that Steve Saylor, who writes often uh, in, in uh, V-Dare and some other places, and I, he refers to the narrative. And the media has framed this narrative right now that Biden won— and if you reverse it, it will be an affront and it will be a affront to African-Americans because it's big cities where the fraud was. And the threat is sliding towards will burn down America if you change the election. So therefore, you're not allowed to ask. I mean, it feels like that to me. And um, that's pretty persuasive because people are afraid of that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a, a certainly a concern uh, about that. Uh of, co- of course, uh, Trump supporters are not blaming African-Americans for this. Uh, you know, they're not really the persons in charge of the process. Uh, as Republicans generally believe that uh, African-Americans have been used unwittingly by the Democratic Party for the last well, close to a century. And that's why Republicans speak of the Democratic plantation Uh, You know, African-Americans are good people, like all other American citizens, and they have a right to cast their vote for the... uh, But the fact that there is a much greater uh, degree, and has been, not just this year, but for decades, and going at least back to 1960, if not earlier, in the cities, uh, cities run by what we call machines, machines that turn out the vote, um, you know, that's just a reality of American politics, as you well know from your days as a supervisor of the election board in St. Louis, Ed. Well, and and so, um, but I guess the question I'd say, the different way I'd phrase that, and then I'll leave this alone, John, but as an observer like you are of many decades of politics, and I mean, back um, in your old age now, you can look back on the, like the 1968 riots and uh, and after Vietnam the and all these different periods and, and even post-Iraq war, the sort of ebb and flow uh, as people have gotten disgusted with the, with the forever wars um, and how the public reacts. But I, it feels like we've got a, a third of the country brainwashed to say, you know, we will go violent. Whether it's true or not, they will say that. 
Um, Rachel Maddow goes on her show the other day and she describes, John, that she said we ought to put some of the Trump supporters in jail, even if they didn't do crimes, so that they feel uh, bad about what they're doing to our election, the integrity of our elections. I mean, think about that statement. Rachel Maddow is not a kid. She's not a she's not a kid and she's not uneducated and she's demagoguing in a direction that's meant to scare people and fear works. And it feels like we're. Um, you know, and uh, by the way, I'm not arguing for giving into it. I'm saying get ready to challenge it, get ready to take it on. But I don't think it's um, I don't think it's um, small. I think it's meant to, you know, I hate to echo David Horowitz, our old friend who's on, who's always so uh, apocalyptic. But they, they the left wants to destroy the country. So riots and, and, and torn, uh, you know, um, a fabric is not bad for them. But I, I feel like that's. The threat that's coming, if you reverse the election because you think it was fraudulent, you will put us into this terrible time. Well, that's unfortunate. And you're referring to Rachel Maddow just just emphasizes the fact that the people who are fomenting these disorders are mostly white. You know, so, uh, you know, you know, your listeners may have seen a black person. uh, looting a store, but uh, there's no question that um, you know the organizers, and all you have to do is look at Portland, Oregon, um, mm-hmm. and Seattle, uh, right? Uh, over the summer to see the abundant proof of of that, and the people who are really uh, directing the disorder are mostly white. All right, John, we just got a couple minutes left. 2020 is closing out. What are you what are you thankful for? Give me some give me some uh, feel good <laughs> moments here. What do you what do you th- what, what's 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 on your you're thankful? You're, you got a birthday going. What are you thankful for? I mean, g- give me something here. Make me feel better. Uh, well, we do. We have six weeks left in 2020. And of course, the year 2020 has been, you know, you remember when uh, Queen Elizabeth of England referred to the year, I think it was 1992, as the Annus Horribilis. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. year that uh, that uh, Charles and Diana got divorced and uh, Windsor Castle burned down, you know. So right. it was sort, there's sort of a feeling uh, like that in America. So many unexpected things have gone south in our country. And uh, so we're going to turn the page, uh, right. whether we like it or not. And we look forward to a bright future for our country. There you go. All right, John, from John Schlafly's lips to the, the good Lord's ears. And uh, we will, um, I'm sure we'll, we will talk to you very soon in the uh, next week after Thanksgiving. But uh, have a great Thanksgiving, John. Happy birthday. And we appreciate the Schlafly Report available over at uh, townhall.com. And also we archive all of the uh, all of the essays. You can get them at phyllisschlafly.com and check them out. Thank you, John. Uh, happy birthday again. Thank you. All right, we'll take a quick break. We come back, we'll wrap things up. I will give you a, a countdown, a, a few things to uh, think about as we go uh, over this Thanksgiving Day weekend. And uh, don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. You can go up there and sign up for the daily email, and you can also get all of these interviews. They're posted up there as standalone links, so you can listen to them and follow on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, as well as over on Facebook. Uh, the Periscopes, twice a day, I'm on, on Periscope doing a short video. What you need to know, you can catch those too at Eagle Ed Martin. We'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin here in the pro america report back in a moment this is the pro america report on the answer san diego this is the phyllis schlafly report 
a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. On Thanksgiving Day, I like to recite for you some of the Thanksgiving prayers and proclamations issued by our presidents on this unique American feast day. The first Thanksgiving proclamation was delivered by George Washington, but every president thereafter followed his example. Here are some quotes from proclamations by lesser-known presidents. From President Chester A. Arthur in 1884, I recommend that throughout the land, the people, ceasing from their accustomed occupations, do then keep holiday at their several homes and their several places of worship, and with heart and voice, pay reverent acknowledgment to the giver of all good for the countless blessings wherewith he has visited this nation. From President Benjamin Harrison in 1889, I earnestly recommend that the people of our country, ceasing from the cares and labors of their working day, shall assemble in their respective places of worship and give thanks to God, who has prospered us on our way and made our paths the paths of peace, beseeching him to bless the day to our present and future good, making it truly one of thanksgiving for each reunited home circle as for the nation at large." From President Grover Cleveland in 1896, the United States should never be unmindful of the gratitude they owe God for his watchful care, which has shielded them from dire disaster. To the end that these thoughts may be quickened, it is fitting that on a day especially appointed, we should join together in approaching the throne of grace with praise and supplication. And from President Theodore Roosevelt in 1904, I do recommend that we devoutly give thanks unto Almighty God for the benefits he has conferred upon us as individuals and as a nation, and to beseech him that in the future his divine favor may be continued to us. Wishing a happy and blessed Thanksgiving to all. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Happy Thanksgiving from the entire staff at Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As we continue the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, we invite you to join us in building a better educated, safer, and stronger America. And parents, you can get a copy of George Washington's Thanksgiving proclamation to share with your children at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Let's finish up tonight with uh, some thank yous. Um, 2020 has been a great year. I know people are going to kind of shake their head when I say that. It's been a great year. And um, why? Well, every year's a great year, I have to be honest. I just feel like uh, whatever you have, you know, in in your face, in your life, you can turn it into greatness. Uh, But it feels like a clarifying year to me, 2020. It feels like the government, the overreach of the government has been clearer and and it's been clearer to the public. We should be grateful for that. You know, the school systems that have kept our kids out of school so dramatically, the teachers unions have dominated that. And now it's very clear that that's really bad for the kids. That's not a good thing. But the fruit of it, hopefully, is going to be good in the future. If you're one of those kids that's going through hell 
it's not a good thing. Don't get me wrong. And I don't mean to be glib about it. But I think the clarification of how corrupt some of these institutions are has been liberating in the long run. Same thing with the fake news. Same thing with the fake polls. Same thing with the election corruption. Same thing with the, uh, the, the, the false reliance on quote unquote scientists. The selective reliance on, on scientists. You should listen to the scientists. They say wear masks, except there's studies on all sides of that debate. I, I often tell people I, I wear a mask a lot, uh, primarily out of courtesy, but also because why not? I mean, I'm not, I don't mind it enough. If there's some chance it helps, maybe. But I really do hate the idea that these mask mandates and then and the condescension and the nastiness, if you happen to disagree, it's a crazy time. But all that is clarifying. I think I told you I might have talked about it. I went out to St. Louis for this week for to, to some our, our, our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The organization I head up is is um, is uh, is um, um, based in St. Louis. And so I went out there, we had a bunch of stuff and I, and I, out, while I was out there, I picked up a book that I had long ago forgotten. I'd bought, it's called the dark, a dark ages ahead. That's what it's called. Dark ages ahead. And it's written by a woman named, um, Jane Jacobs. Jane Jacobs is, um, is someone who is, um, uh, wrote a lot about how the about how the um, cities have fallen and the, the, the sort of poor management of urban and then suburban sprawl has been a disaster. And so she's, got, she's written a couple books on the, the, uh, the great American cities and things like that. But this book, just a few years before she died, I think she died in 2006 or seven. This book was published in 2004 or five. And she said, Dark Ages Ahead. ahead. And she, she catalogs what she says is the diminished institutions that, that hold us together as a civilization and our lack of memory about what was good about what we did. And I'm summarizing it way too, um, way too, way too quickly, but let me just tell you this about it. When you read Jane Jacobs book, dark, the dark ages ahead, what I came away with thinking was she was describing some of the massive lack of trust that we have, uh, that we ha- should have in our institutions because of corruption. And that phrase that I often tell you, um, the uh, Eric Hoffer phrase, every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business and eventually degenerates into a racket, eventually degenerates into a racket. And um, it's that's what we've seen. Now, you have to be careful, because if you go all the way back to de Tocqueville, when he came to America, the French writer, and he described one thing he described about Americans is he described this incredible affinity for participating in community life through associations and churches and all. And we don't want to diminish our institutions to the point where we don't have them. But we do want to be clear about corruption. It's kind of like a recycling of things. You need to realize that they have been corrupted. Therefore, you can make them better again. Realize that they have been broken and failed and you can improve them. Nobody should want to have no rule of law just because we discovered that the Department of Justice and some of the prosecutors were really abusive. You know, read License to Lie by Sidney Powell and you'll get that vision pretty quick. But but it is it has been an extraordinary 2020 has been an extraordinary glimpse And I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I've not said this. I've been writing this down on a piece of paper on the back of a paper plate. I've been writing this phrase down for a few days now, and I'm going to share it with you. If you watch my periscopes closely, you'll see the beginnings of of what I'm about to say. But I, I, I believe that this moment we're in 2020 is the death rattle 
of the ruling class in America. The death rattle of the ruling class. In other words, 2020 has the ruling class that has sort of taken over like the capital in the in the Hunger Games movies where all the wealth and privilege is is controlled by the uh, the ruling class, you know, the the powerful and, and they're of all parties and all shapes and sizes and all. But they're in charge. 2020 has been the death rattle of the ruling class. And the reason I say that is because all of the things that they kept the uh, people down with has been exposed and it's been breaking and broken. And this president has done it, but also the transparency. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you the power of the transparency. Even when big tech is against us, they can't hold back the ability for people to communicate through the Internet, through social media. It's powerful. It's a powerful time. My periscopes over at Eagle Ed Martin, they'll be watched 20,000 times by people, 20,000 different people. So uh, listen, I, let me finish. I am so thankful that there are men and women in this country like you listening and like Noah, our technical director who helps us do this, who believes in goodness and the ideas. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank my family enough, my neighbors, my friends. Even I'll thank my enemies. Why not? Thank the good Lord for the great nation of America. What a privilege. And we got to keep fighting for it and make it better and better. Keep it going on and on. So thank you, everybody. I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving Day weekend. And don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for all my emails and get looped in on everything so we can keep building this community of understanding and what's happening and do better and better. Have a great uh, weekend. We'll talk again very soon. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report.